Hello, hello, good afternoon, and welcome in to yet another week of Hate the Player, Not the Game. It's been a long week. It feels like forever since episode two last week. Had a lot of sleepless nights this week. Uh, you know, the San Francisco Giants are back on the West Coast uh, ever since Sunday. Four straight, Three straight games that have started at 8.45 Central Time which means no sleep for me. Uh, luckily, tonight's game is at 8.45, but, you know, it's Friday night. That at least makes sense. Uh, heat's picking back up again, which is a lot of fun. Family weekend here at Mizzou, which means, you know, a lot of people around just milling the campus. Very interesting to see, you know, coming in, pointing at KCOU. Always a lot of fun. Um, was a lot, some sad news this week, and uh, Norm McDonald sadly passing away from cancer. Um, you know, Norm McDonald was just a fantastic comedian. Um, definitely somebody that I enjoyed and almost looked up to as a comedian. He really just had a knack for the field, so certainly going to be missed, uh, taken way too soon. Um, in happier news, though, the new Bachelor could be very highly... People think it's definitely going to be him. Clayton Eckerd. If you don't know that name, he used to play a tight end for the University of Missouri. So, adding on to the long list of, uh, of uh, football players to go on to be bachelor contestants um yeah this should be pretty interesting obviously probably doesn't find love on the next season of the bachelorette if he's returning for a season on the bachelor um so this should be pretty interesting it's always nice to see somebody with relations to missouri come and uh be on national TV like this, and they know their audience, which is Mizzou sports journalism majors. Really love The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for some reason. I mean, I'm one of them. I'm not ashamed of it, but for some reason, a lot of people that study journalism related to sports at the school, man, they just absolutely love The Bachelor and Bachelorette. However, Moving on from talking about something only tangentially related to college sports to something that is actually college sports. There was some college football last week and some interesting happenings in college football last week that I think we need to talk about. So first of all, first of all, Mizzou lost to Kentucky 35 to 28. Um, this was a game a lot of people did not expect Mizzou to win. Um, and honestly, I don't think anybody wanted to win this game down the stretch. Uh, you know, a lot of sloppy play going on in Lexington. Um, yeah, I think if this one's at home, this ends up differently. But, um, yeah, this is a tough loss for Mizzou. Um, kind of cements where they come down in the SEC East, honestly. Uh, you know, with Kentucky kind of being right around where Mizzou always is in terms of play. Um, Chris Rodriguez Jr., 206 yards and three touchdowns, though, for Kentucky. That's uh, that's pretty solid. Connor Basilak had a nice game, too. A little too little too late. 
but still, he had a nice game. Um, love to see the progression from the sophomore. But, yeah, hopefully things will be different for the Mizzou Tigers tomorrow when they face Southeast Missouri. Um, I will be reporting that game, so make sure to follow along for updates uh, at Lucas A. Owens on Twitter. We'll be reporting that game for KCOU Sports. So that should be a lot of fun. will be nice to finally get back to Faroe Field. Been a long time away from there. Okay, moving on. Tennessee lost to Pittsburgh, 41-34. to So after, you know, a few fits of laughing at Tennessee for, you know, anyone around here, um, it's, it's pretty obvious that Josh Heupel needs to, uh, you know, some time to work with this Tennessee team. Don't want to jump to conclusions after two weeks. But um, still fun to see. And this Pittsburgh team, I don't think they're going to be very good in the ACC. So losing to them it's really sucks. Uh, Coastal Carolina destroyed Kansas 49-22, and that game was at Coastal Carolina. Uh, that's pretty funny just because of the uh, differences in the fact that Coastal Carolina didn't exactly have an FBS team a few years ago, and they're destroying Kansas. Uh, and then moving on, number 12, Oregon beat number three, Ohio State, 35 to 28. So this is where I'm going to stick a lot of my time. This was a uh, fantastic game. This was a lot of fun to watch. I would say out of these first two weeks, this has been the most enjoyable game to watch with this one. Um, Oregon's secondary is next level. I think they probably might be, probably might be, you know, throwing it out there. Um. The best secondary in the nation. Uh, you know, they were performing that good without Kayvon Thibodeau. Imagine when he comes back. Um, you know, C.J. Stroud, though, for Ohio State, he kind of, he had the stats to back it up, but it's kind of it's kind of what happened against Purdue a few years ago. Just because you're padding those stats and getting that many yards, it doesn't matter if you're getting blown out. Well, not blown out, but Oregon was in control of this game the entire time. They just allowed everything. Uh, C.J. Verdell, though, on the bright side, running back for Oregon. Fantastic. Real breakout game for him. 161 yards and two touchdowns against an Ohio State front seven. That I think it's one of the best in the Big Ten. Um, don't want to put them in Iowa territory yet. Iowa absolutely demolished Iowa State uh, at college game day. Um so, obviously, considering this is out of conference, this doesn't complicate things at all in the Big Ten for Ohio State, but makes the playoff a much more interesting conversation because Oregon, basically, they don't have a game to work with to lose, and then they, you know, they're fine for college football playoff, but if they lose a game, um, they're still going to be ahead of Ohio State because of the uh, head-to-head matchup. They're always going to go for that head-to-head matchup. Um, so this really makes things hard for Ohio State to uh, come back into the college football playoff conversation. Um, you know, the Big Ten, I think, is going to be really good this year. But you're kind of always considering they're going to be below Oregon now, unless Oregon just absolutely blows up or loses by 50 to Washington State or something this week um, or next week. Uh, so... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. And then finally for college football games, going back to the West Coast, 
Let's look <laughs> at the game that ended the Clay Heldon era at USC. Stanford beat number 14 USC 42 to 28 at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. So <laughs> USC just looked incredibly lifeless out there. Um, this is a Stanford team that did not look good at all against Kansas State. They're getting destroyed by Kansas State. And Kansas State isn't exactly the class of the Big 12 this year. And USC, just, they got, they just got outcoached, simply enough. USC is objectively more counted than, I would say, every team in the Pac-12 except for Oregon. And they just got outcoached and outschemed and looked just clueless out there. And Stanford took advantage of it. Um, you know, Tanner McKee for Stanford, though, don't want to look overlook what Stanford did too much. Quarterback for Stanford, kind of starting to break out a bit. 234 yards and two touchdowns passing. Uh, got it done for the Stanford team. Stanford just, you know, cruised to that victory. So, moving on with the USC stuff. Clay Helton fired after five years. He did get one conference championship and one Rose Bowl win. Uh, that conference championship was in a year, though, that the Pac-12 is not very good. Um, to date, the only time the Pac-12 South has won the conference championship. So, possible replacements. Let's run this down. James Franklin. I think this could actually happen. Just because I think he's the personality that fits USC. And he's not outright denying it. Um, you know, that's probably just for a pay raise. But still... Um, he's, he's going to entertain it, and if they offer him something good enough, he might. Uh, Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati head coach. Um, you know, this is the, always the up-and-coming G5 guys. Going to be a thought a lot of teams have. Um, and people cite the relationship he had with Athletic Department Director um, Mike Bone at U.S. Cincy because he was the one that hired him at Cincy. Um However, apparently, they didn't exactly get along too well, um, from what I've heard. Fickle kind of wanted an AD that took a more hands-off approach, and that is not Mike Bond. So, I don't know if that's going to happen. Urban Meyer, that's going to be a no, just because of first year in the NFL. He's not going to leave midseason, I think. I think he at least has that much dignity. And the stuff that happened at Ohio State that kind of stained his time there. Uh, Tony Elliott could be possibly a candidate. I think he could be a strong candidate. I think that is exactly the type of energy USC needs right now. Ed Orgeron, though, um, this is another name I've seen, Mitch. After he eventually gets fired by LSU, um, I mean, he already got denied one time from being head coach at USC, and um, with all the Title IX issues at LSU, USC is going to take a hard no to that. Bill O'Brien, that's that's another name. If somebody's going to leave the NFL for this job, I don't think it's going to be a Meyer. I think it's going to be Bill O'Brien, even though Bill O'Brien's OC at Alabama right now. Um, I think that could be interesting. Of course, the Texans' uh, tenure did not end the best, but Bill O'Brien, when he was at Penn State, just really navigated through all those sanctions, and really came out looking like a great college coach. So I think it could possibly happen. Uh, how much does this change the conference? This year opens the Pac-12 South up completely. USC basically just took the wheels out of this year. 
and just like let's plan and build for the next few years. Um, but outside of that, I still think it's Oregon's conference to run with. Um, so not much is going to change there. Okay, that's all I have for college football recap and USC coaching search. Make sure to stay tuned as we look at the next week in college football. I've got a lot of great matchups coming up. Thank you for listening to Hate the Player, Not the Game. Today's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Oh, nuts! There's a bobcat in this cave! Save us, sassy! You will, but first you'd like to stress the importance of cat adoption? Over 5 million cats go into animal shelters every year and they need to be adopted? Help us, sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt! My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station.
Hello and welcome back to Hate the Player, Not the Game. Let's look at some college football coming up this week. Why not? So, a big matchup uh, Saturday that I don't think is being talked about a lot because, of course, it's happening not on the West Coast, uh, stayed over from the West Coast. Actually, both of these teams aren't exactly on the West Coast, but whatever. Mountain time teams. Uh, Arizona State, number 19, is visiting number 23, BYU. And I think this is going to be a good matchup. Um, you know, it's in the lower half of the top 25, so I get why it's not getting too much hype. But I think this should be uh, should be a lot of fun. BYU has looked good in the post-Zach Wilson role. I'm kind of a little shocked to say that, honestly. Uh, I thought they were going to take a big step back this year. or Not too big of a step back, but I thought they weren't going to be like this. I mean, this is a team. They took down Arizona week one, which, okay, it's Arizona. Utah, that's a big win for them. Cal Whittingham always has those teams playing great uh, in the Holy War, so... To get to uh, beat that team like they did really shows how far BYU's come. And again, it's another matchup for BYU when they know they're in a Power 5 conference in the future, which I'm sure they love. So um, look for Jaden Daniels, uh, Arizona State um, quarterback there. Uh, you know, I've been fairly unimpressed by him so far this year, honestly. I think he's not living up to his potential. He really needs to get it going against BYU. Uh, however, I'm prob I'm going to pick the Cougars to uh, win this one. I'm going to pick BYU. Okay, uh, game I've been talking a lot about. Nebraska is visiting number three, Oklahoma. There is going to be a murder in Lincoln, in, uh, excuse me, in Stillwater. Norman, Norman, Oklahoma tomorrow. Um... Yeah, for how unimpressive Oklahoma looked against Tulane two weeks ago. And, I mean, they had an STS opponent last week, um, which they destroyed, of course. But they looked that bad against Tulane. Nebraska has not looked good either. I mean, they've been beating up on, they've been beating up on bad teams, which is what you should be doing, but it doesn't show much. And I think they still haven't plugged that hole that was the defense in the Illinois game. Um, Nebraska, yeah, this one's, this is going to be a rough one for Nebraska, I feel like. Um, Oklahoma's just in an entirely different class. Um, there's going to be a lot of old people that like this matchup, though. Uh, people that... Remember the Big Eight, so people around here um, really love this matchup. Uh, however, Spencer Rattler should have a really good game against a hilariously disorganized Nebraska secondary that's just not well coached. So Oklahoma is going to win that one. Okay, a game that's being talked about a lot for various reasons is number eight Cincinnati at Indiana. So this is one. That Cincinnati has to win in order to stay in playoff consideration if they're even going to be considered for the playoff this year, which they probably aren't going to be. Um, you know, going into week one, this was a matchup I had circled. Thought this would be a fantastic matchup. 
Now, not too thrilled about it, honestly. Um, however, even though it doesn't really have a lot of hype around it, I think this is a trap game for Cincinnati, honestly. Um, you got all the stuff going on with Luke Fickle, right? Whether it's true or not, doesn't really matter uh, with USC. An Indiana team that's being underestimated. I mean, they did not look good in that first game, but, you know, I think they still got the talent. Um, so, take Cincinnati here. I'm going to take Cincinnati here. This could be an upset, though. Um, that's one. That's one to watch. Uh, number one, Alabama at number 11, Florida. That is going to be in Gainesville, Florida. Biggest SEC matchup so far this season. Um, I just see everybody saying Bama is going to destroy Florida. They're right. They don't have to be mean about it. But uh, seriously, I don't think Florida is going to roll, roll over and die. Um, that's what people thought they were going to do in the SEC championship last year, and they obviously didn't do that. Um, however, this offense, though, for Florida just isn't to where it was last year, and that's going to be a struggle. The defense is looking good. The offense, though, has not. I mean, they haven't really had too many opportunities, but they just haven't looked all there. Um, Bryce Young, definitely looking all there, looking like the Heisman candidate he was meant to be. Um, think he has the inside track on that right now, honestly. Okay, moving on to the college game day game. Number 22, Auburn. It's visiting number 10, Penn State. So, people are really counting out Auburn um, in this one. Uh, you know, you got the wide out, obviously game day. You got Bo Nix being bad. Not good at quarterback. You got a new coach. Um, and I, I see it, but I think people are counting them out a little too much. People are really just assuming... Uh, they're going to win this one. Oh, man, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, Sean Clifford, though, for Penn State, not much better than Bo Nix, in my opinion. Uh, but Penn State, all around, a uh, more complete team than Auburn. I think they come away with that one. Tulane at number 17, Ole Miss. And this is going to be my upset pick of the week. Uh, Michael Pratt for Tulane look, has looked really good so far. Um, I think he's going to turn a lot of heads as this season goes on. Uh, Matt Coral, though, for Ole Miss has looked good so far, too. Um, Ole Miss, they haven't had too many tough tests yet. That's kind of part of what I think goes into it. Tulane has already faced a really, I think, really good, even though people are discounting Oklahoma just because of that Tulane game. But refuse to think, what if Tulane's actually good this year? Um, so this, uh, this is going to be a good game. I mean, Ole Miss, they've been up on Louis Louisville who again, not good this year and Austin P they're probably looking ahead to Bama in two weeks. Honestly, they need to be focusing on this game because I think Tulane has a good chance of getting this done. I'm not going to say 100% chance upset pick this one. But this game, like, this is, this has a really good chance of being an upset. Let's go. Excuse my words. Okay, finally, another game, I think. Shouldn't be looked past. Fresno State at number 13, UCLA. This is another opportunity that people are going to look back and think that Fresno State team played Oregon really close and doesn't make too much sense. However, 
this Fresno State team actually is pretty good on defense, and they're scrappy. Um, UCLA has looked good. They haven't looked unbeatable. So Fresno State loves being an upset uh, upset king, so that's one that I could see possibly going their way. However, that is going to do it. How? Oh, excuse me. Pick. I'm picking UCLA in that game still, but again, watch that one for an upset. That's all that it, I have time for in terms of college football previews. After this break, I'll be looking into stealing signs, MLB talk, with just 15 games left for a majority of teams in baseball. Thank you for listening to KCU 88.1 FM. Ceiling signs. So let's look at MLB action. First of all, let's uh, let's go into the standings right now in baseball because things are shaping up pretty interestingly. So Tampa Bay is yet again leading the AL East by eight and a half games. They are ninety-one and fifty-six, yet to secure a playoff spot. Technically, but they've more they've secured a playoff spot essentially. The Chicago White Sox are leading the Central. That is no surprise by 11 games over Cleveland. They are sitting at 83 and 63, currently the third seed out of the divisions in the AL. In the two seed is going to be from the AL West at least right now. In the Houston Astros, who are 86. In 60, seven games up over the Oakland Athletics and eight games up over the Mariners. So they've basically secured their fate as AL West champions. Moving on to the NL East, the Atlanta Braves are three games up on the Philadelphia Phillies. Their schedule is looking a lot better than the Phillies, though, coming up. So I think that should be in their favor. In the Central, the Brewers are up over the Cardinals who have leapfrogged into second place at 76 and 69. The Brewers, 89 and 57, solidly in the second spot, but they are going to stay there because the crazy NL West race, the San Francisco Giants are 95 and 52, best record in MLB by exactly one game. The team with the second best record is the Los Angeles Dodgers at 94 and 53. They are one game up over the Los Angeles Dodgers with the best record in MLB. The next closest team, three games below the Dodgers, four games below the Giants in the race. Absolutely ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. Going to wild card standings. The Blue Jays and Red Sox currently hold the two wild cards in the AL. They are sitting half a game up over the Yankees. So that could change when the Yankees make up that game. See what happens there. And the Oakland A's are three games back. The Mariners are four games back. And the rest of the league does not matter. In the National League. Safe to, I think it's actually mathematically confirmed now. 
Second place in the NL West between Dodgers Giants. That's going to be wild card one. So it's just going to be a race for the away team in that wild card game, which it's right now is being led by of all teams. Out of nowhere, the Giants and Dodgers killers themselves, the St. Louis Cardinals, 76 and 69, half a game up on the San Diego Padres, and a full game up on the Reds, and two and a half up on the Phillies. So in that four-horse race, out of all teams to lead the wild card second right now, it is the St. Louis Cardinals. Just absolutely insane. But before we uh, go into the rest of the league, just want to recap what's happened with the San Francisco Giants. As, of course, they are all that meaning I have in my life. So they had that lengthy nine-game win streak and then lost two straight to the Padres. They are facing the Braves today, though. Um, So that should be an interesting series between Atlanta and San Francisco. However, let's talk a little bit about the Giants-Dodgers race right now because I think I think people really need to sit back and appreciate just what we're seeing right here. This San Francisco-Los Angeles race right now, it's never happened, obviously, between the two teams. You've had multiple times they finished 1-2. Obviously, you have the shot around the world, um, you know, other tiebreakers and stuff. But a race to this extent has not happened. These two are two of the best teams both of these clubs have put together. And they account for four of the last 11 championships. Of course, three of them are San Francisco, but still, four of the last 11 championships. And I think these are two of the best teams they've put together. The Giants are performing crazily good for where people expected them. LA is performing about where they were expected to. Which is still crazy good. Um, and the closest analog for it really is that 93 season, right before the wild card got implemented, where the Giants missed out on the playoffs despite winning 103 games. Because you're going to have a team that wins like over 100 games, I'd say closer to 103 at this pace, that, misses, that goes to a one game wild card. And that's going to be crazy. To think a team that good. But what you possibly miss in having the stress of a one game all card and perhaps one of those teams losing to like the Cardinals or the Reds, what you miss is just appreciating how fun this is making the last few weeks of the regular season. Because it really feels like neither of these teams can lose a game or they're just going to be overtaken by the other team and stampeded down the road. Every game matters. And these are two teams that have clinched the playoffs with like 18 and 17 games to go. They clinched the playoffs one after another. So I'm just saying for how stressful it's been, for how crazy it is that a team with more than 100 wins is going to play in a wild card game, just appreciate it. Obviously, not going to match up for the top two win top two in the division one record as even in a four team AOS in 2001, the Seattle Mariners won 116 games and the Oakland A's won hundred, obviously not getting to that pedigree, but still absolutely crazy to see. However, let's move on 
what is going on in Oakland? <laughs> Oakland has been floundering, man. I mean, they're still 12 games above 500, but lose two straight to the Rangers. You drop a series to the Rangers, that can't happen. You drop one to the Rawls. You do win the next two, though. You drop, you get swept at the Blue Jays, which, to be fair, that was in the Blue Jays' crazy streak. Um, but still, the Blue Jays have kind of, I mean, the A's have kind of found themselves floundering, which is not what I expected. They are going to, I they're, they're going to be on the outside looking in, in my opinion, on the playoffs, which is not what I would have expected at the beginning of the year. And you have a team in Seattle who nobody expected anything from the Mariners. And the Mariners are one game back of the A's. And the Mariners have a run differential 65 of negative 65. I mean, all jokes aside, the fun differential stuff for Seattle is absolutely hilarious. I don't really care about run differential too much, honestly. I think differ only differential that matters is win loss. You never know the individual story of the game. You have to get down really nitty gritty to care about that. But still, just this Oakland team, this is I think this might be their last hurrah, honestly. You have Starling Marte, who's performing great. He's gonna be a free agent after the year. Are they gonna actually try to keep somebody? You got Matt Chapman and Matt Olson who are running up against arbitration. And going to be free agents soon. Do they try to get value out of that now? You got a lot of players that are not on long deals. And I just think I just think this is kind of the finale, in a sense, of this really great ace team from the past few years. And that's really hard to see it ending this way. However, that's because the AL East has been so crazy good. The past few weeks. This wouldn't be happening had the Yankees and Blue Jays not been not gone on these crazy streaks. This Oakland team's still good. They're 12 games above 500. Um, they have a shot. They're only three games back of the playoffs, and there's only one team, two teams that they need to displace to get to that playoff spot. But still, it's just. It's a weird situation right now going on in Oakland. Um, another situation that's going weird is the New York Mets, who are still looking for any leadership under Sandy Alderson. Um, and I don't know if it's going to come, to be honest. Um, I was hearing stuff about Billy Bean possibly leaving, which clearly those people haven't watched Moneyball. Um you know, just got some other stuff, all of this stuff going on. And really, the New York Mets are such a weird organization right now. What can I say? Um, finally, though, something I wanted to touch on, and I think it's getting more attention now than it was before, but something I think people should be paying attention to. The Detroit Tigers are actually playing some good baseball. They took a series from the Rays. They swept the Brewers, I'll bet, in a two-game series. They did lose 2-3 to the pod Pirates. But this is a Tigers team. They're playing good, fun baseball. Um, so, you know, I think that Tigers team under A.G. Hinch, Hinch is playing Out here. really surprisingly good baseball lately. And I think that's fun to see a team actually coming out of the rebuild 
doing good lately because that hasn't been the case for a lot of MLB teams. It's why we're constantly seeing the same teams in the playoffs. However, that is going to do it for a very ranty hate the player, not the game. As always, I've been Lucas Owens. Again, make sure to listen to KCOU 88.1 FM for the broadcast tomorrow of Southeast Missouri at Mizzou. Great football game. Uh, should be a lot of fun. I will be reporting that, so make sure to stay tuned to at Lucas A. Owens on Twitter. But as always, just have a great weekend. Stay safe.